This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson, and with us this week are Jim Spence and Sean Hamilton. Guys, we don't use well. We better start with Scotland. I know it's not a Scotland podcast, and there are plenty of plenty of others that are. But you know, it was it's the morning after our first game and building up to the Euros and to to go all Derek McInnes on you, Sean. There was there was a lot to like about us there. <laughs> yeah, there was to to go Derek McInnes. I think you'd have to continue that for another five minutes. <laughs> uh, he does he does say a lot. Uh, it does, Derek. And that's not a bad trait, by the way, nor a criticism. Very, very good for, for the likes of us. <laughs> yes. Uh, fill, fills up the notebook quickly. But yeah, yeah, there, there, there was a lot to like um, about Scotland last night. Um, and, and especially under the circumstances, I think, because oh, when, yeah, yeah. when you're missing sort of seven bodies, um, when, you're a, when you're a country like Scotland and you, you don't tend to think of yourself as having great strength and depth across a squad and, and particular areas and actually but in, in certain areas we don't have much strength at the <laughs> at, at, in even one level oh, no, don't forget depth, depth. <laughs> yeah um that being right back obviously but under the circumstances last night i thought they were really really good and i mean you you, you can caveat it by saying that it was against a, a dutch side that Probably wasn't it? Yeah, making changes after half an hour. Yeah, well, exactly. You've got, you've got guys like um, De Jong um, from Barcelona and Wijnaldum, who's who's maybe joining him at Barcelona pretty soon, uh, going off after half an hour. Then, yeah, you know, you can you can you can take from that what the the Dutch approach to the game was, and you know, get minutes and legs, and that's about the size of it, basically. Um, so uh, there there is that element to it, but I mean. From a Scotland perspective, I, th- I thought they were just really refreshingly good um, right from the start, and the, the aggression was there. Um, and, and obviously, the, the the real sort of interesting thing about the start of the game, in particular, was was Tierney and Hendry, um, and their and their high kind of pressing high up the park when the Dutch were trying to play forward, and 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 it was pretty fruitful. It was a few turnovers in there, and obviously, in particular, the one that led to to Hendry's goal, which was. A fantastic finish, it really was. Um, so it, you, I mean, you can't knock him in that regard. And then I wonder how many Saints fans or St. Johnson fans are watching that and going, Could have been Jason Kerr there? Well, that's the thing. I mean, that I mean, yeah. it's hard not to. When I was doing my write up, I, I didn't want to go all St. Johnson on it because there's other people apart from St. Johnson fans interested in Scotland. But having watched Saints play a similar system all season, you kind of, you kind of get to see the, you know, you get a you know the trigger points to, to look out yeah. for and you know you know when it's working well and what should be happening. And you're right, Hendy took up a very Jason Kerr-type position. Um, I think Jason scored a goal similar to that. I think it was Motherwell away, I think, when they hammered them. That sticks in my mind. But yeah, I mean, Tierney's been doing it. Tierney, Tierney one, of, one, of, one of the things you get when you're at the game that you don't get when you're watching on the telly is the fact that Tierney is, I would say, 70% of the time is further forward than Robertson, which is very un... It's, you know, you don't expect that with a wing-back, do you? You know, so it's clearly something that, you know, they're, they're managing to ut- utilise the fact that they've got two very powerful running left-backs in the pitch. And, you know, Absolutely. So I, I do think, yeah, they, they were the sort of things I looked for that, that went really well. And Hendry, he obviously, he, you know, we've, we've all seen plenty of him. He's a guy, 
I'm not convinced. I'm still not convinced he's the he's the best defender. I think Jason Kerr's a better defender than him, but he can he can he's got a lovely touch. He's got a lovely passing range and all the rest of it. And he's and he's got a lovely shot on him, Jim. Yeah, <laughs> who uh, knew? Eh? Uh, absolutely, um, Eric. And I think that you know, if you take the two goals, they, they, they were kind of two of the mainly positive things. I think. I mean, he, he took his goal beautifully. I mean, he, he kind of you know he, he brought it under control swiftly. He moved forward a yard or two. Did he, did he score any like that for Dundee? Like, I can't. I, off I, the can't, top I, of I have to say, I can't, I can't remember. You know, I, I was trying to think about this. I mean, the shot. I, I was thinking nine times out of ten that might have ballooned over the bar, but it didn't. He drilled it absolutely beautifully. You know, plenty of power, plenty of accuracy, uh, and the keeper was well beaten. You know, tucked neatly inside the. The right-hand post and just that kind of power and, and you know an accuracy that, that no keeper gets to you know I mean bear in mind the keeper central in his goal you know he's looking across 12 feet from his standing position to pretty much to get there you know so I thought it was a terrific goal as was Nisbet's I mean that, that was a, a wonderfully worked move right down the left-hand side perfect cross and Nisbet took his goal um, uh, beautifully so I kind of I must admit it did cross my mind I wonder what Lauren Shank was sitting thinking there you know oh, could it be me um, well, yeah. But it wasn't. But you know, so t- two great goals. W- one of the things I like, and one of the things I'm always happy with with Scotland, is when we play at pace, when we knock the ball a bit quickly, not when we try to. You know, I mean, I've often thought that one of the differences in our game is that. Uh, European sides and, and, and continental sides, for want of a, a better phrase, uh, have the ability to, you know, almost play at walking pace sometimes and then go through the gears almost immediately, you know, go from first to fifth, boom, 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 like that. We, we've never seemed to quite possess that. So I always think we are we are better playing the game at a tempo where we're tempo, fluent yeah, and yeah. quick and we knock it about really quickly. Even the short passes, we knock it about and boom, we're, we're on our way looking for the next ball. And I thought we did that last night and I thought the, the fluency, uh, the, the, you you know, the quickness, the tempo that we played at, were all impressive. I mean, I take on board all Sean's points. I thought the game was probably played at maybe about 80% of normal pace to some extent, you know, and the Dutch were obviously missing a, a good number of players. But so were we, you know. I mean, we, we were we were missing... Um, was it seven, Adam, yeah. so, again. You know, yeah, in, in that respect, off. I think it was it, it was a very decent performance, and I think psychologically, I always think this psychologically to go out and draw with the Dutch. Um, you know, I, I was in a bar in Jersey when I was working in Jersey when we beat them three two. Archie Gemmell's a great goal. Now, you you would not, I don't think you'd compare the Scotland side uh, of last night with the side that we had back then. But the Dutch were always tough opposition, so a two two result. Uh, you know, another friendly to come then going into. Uh, the Euros opening against the Czechs, you know, then England and Croatia. I thought it was a very creditable result on the night, and I thought it was plenty that we could be happy with. Pleased as they say in football, pleasing, indeed, pleasing, indeed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Sean. Before we wrap up the uh, the token Scotland, but at the top of the uh, the top of the program, what uh, the one <laughs> this with a local hat on again? This COVID business is going to hang over Scotland for a while yet. You know, are they all coming? <laughs> You know, the Steve Clark, you know, precautions, ultra cautious, this sort of stuff. You're not out the woods until, well, they've got a, they've got a good few days yet because as we know from the experience at St. Johnson, there's a bit of a lag and there can be a gap, you know, with a couple of all clear tests and then oh, up pops another, another positive. Steve Clark will not be getting much sleep just now. I suppose the only good thing is he's got them all in camp. So he's not, he's not got, he's not got, uh, Guys going back, picking their kids up from school, and kids, the kids coming back in the house, that sort of stuff. But still, it's it's far from ideal, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it'll it'll, it'll be one that yes, they're all in camp, which has its benefits, also has its down downsides, yeah. I suppose as well. But they're they're, they're going to have to 
really tightly police what happens with these players who are whether they're self-isolating or, or, or I know, not. That's a bit uh, weird, isn't that? I found that all a bit weird. You're either yeah. self-isolating or you're not, you know what I mean? It's just, it's uh-huh. just a bit strange, but... It is know. odd. But, I mean, it, it's it's no surprise that, I mean, it, it, Scotland invariably will, will, will look to train, I say, before a tournament. How would how would we even know it's been that long? But, you know, they, you would expect Scotland to go to somewhere with a better climate um, than we're used to. Uh, to train for something like this but I mean the the, the telling thing um, for me is looking at likes of Croatia and the Czech Republic cancelling their their training camps in Scotland because the the, the rules around Covid here are are too stringent for them so as well as the weather Scotland go to uh, Spain and and Portugal because obviously there will be more wiggle room for them there uh, around the rules so there's there's a bit of sense to it uh, in that regard but I mean the final thing I, I would say about actual the actual team last night, and, and I think this gives me some hope, regardless of the personnel, um, is that the fact that Scotland looked last night like a team with a kind of a particular system that they wanted to play. They made sense to watch, you know. Um, that, I mean, there are, there are a few problems with it, but I mean... It's not it, going to change now, though, is it? We're, exactly. We're, we're, we're no. wedded to these three centre halves now, and I think, exactly. I think rightly so. To be honest with you, and and I think the entire squad you would you would think would be would be training around that entire system, so that that we would have some continuity regardless of who slots in and out. And I think Scotland kind of looked like a team with an identity against mm-hmm, Holland, and, and that's that's something more more than anything else, more than the personnel that I think should 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 give us all hope. I think. Yes, indeed. You know what it's like. You buy a new jumper or socks for Father's Day. Your dad makes appreciative noises, but folds the jumper aside and smiles. But if your dad or granddad was a football or rugby man when he was younger, we've got books with hundreds of never-before-seen photos which will show the interests, the passions, the great days, the best time of your dad's life. He will bury himself in these books for the rest of the day. This is the stuff he really, truly cares about. Yours will be the best gift he's been given in years. With books on Aberdeen FC, Dundee United, Celtic, Rangers, rugby, Scottish football internationals, and even football grounds themselves, we would have celebrated and commiserated as a boy. These big, beautiful books will feel like a substantial gift when you hand over the parcel. As one of our podcast listeners, you can get an exclusive 15% discount on the books in our Football in the Black and White Era series at dcthompsonshop.co.uk using the code GIFT15 at checkout. That's G-I-F-T-1-5 at the checkout of dcthompsonshop.co.uk. Check the episode notes for details and terms. And if this sounds like something you'd like, go on, treat yourself. Or maybe drop a series of heavy hints. Right, Jim, I mean, there's more happening uh, There's more happening at Dens than there is at Tannerice. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with Dundee. I suppose with the fact there's not much happening at Tannerice, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to that and discuss whether it's whether that's anything to worry about or not or, or what it actually means. But Dundee, first of all, I'm intrigued, Jim, to see what you think. I know that James McPake was stressing, oh, you know, these are the guys that got us up. These are the guys that get the chance type thing. And he's he's handed out new contracts to two or three of them already. What do you think he's... Strat- should should he... Is there a danger of being kidded on? Kidded on is maybe not the right phrase, but being sort of 
you know, they, they, they've got up through the playoffs. They finished very well. Um, I think they capitalised on a, by beating a Kilmarnock team that was just, I think, well, Tommy Wright, you know, wasn't trying to hide anything, was it? You know, it's a team that's now getting cast to the, the four wins type thing. You know, it was it was a, a poor, poor, poor team. Where's the balance here for, for James McPake? My gut instinct is that Dundee team still needs a bit more, I still think, I'm not surgery, but I, I would only, I only think, again, I'm plucking numbers out of the head, out of my head here, out of thin air, but I'd want to see four or five in in the summer. Are you around the same mark? I think I think a lot of the players that he's given contracts to and a lot of the players that that played in that team that got them got them up will end up squad players. Where, where are you thinking? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think, you know, I, I hesitate to say that you need a huge squad for the Premiership. Um, because Callum Davis has just proven I, you don't. I, yeah. Exactly. He just he has. What you do need <clears throat> is the squad that you have has to um, have, I think, one or two, if you want, star performers. And then you have to have, you know, 17, 18 guys that are all really, really good and can step in, just as Sean was saying a minute ago with Scotland. You know, you've got a system and guys who are all comfortable stepping in and out of that system. Um, <clears throat> I suppose, you know, the, the the kind of questions I would ask myself is, um, you know, how many do they need? Maybe maybe four, maybe five, you know, um, to give them the depth and the quality of the depth they need. And they've started, of course, with the, the signing of Luke McCowan, which looks a kind of decent signing from Air United. Good good age and um, score, not prolific, but, you know, I think nine and, and 33 matches last season for Air. So um, they, 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 there's one on the books already. Um, I, I'll be intrigued to see how Charlie Adam does, um, for instance. You know, I mean, Charlie... I've seen many a time last season, I thought still could have played at premiership level last season. Dead ball, corner kicks, penalty kicks, as good as anyone in the game in Scotland. But he will be playing at a kind of at a higher level week in, week out. Um, whether he will play week in, week out for a full 90 minutes is another thing entirely. But the, the, the key thing is, from Dundee's perspective, is getting the right kind of players. You know, who's available? It'll not be a case, not be a worry about money because Dundee have always paid good money. Uh, you know, as a football club, they've always paid good wages. Their wages have always been very decent. Um, oh, there'll, there'll, be a, there'll be a mid-table team in that regard straight off the yes, bat, that, won't they? That's yeah. right. So, so this is really, I think, about, uh, you know, where, where James is... Um, own contacts book comes in and where the, the contact book that, that Dundee have with, with others in the game come in. And I, w- I would be astonished if we hadn't already identified um, a good number of of players, um, Eric. Um, and in the meantime, Eric, um, that's my window cleaner at the door. So I'm going- <laughs> Oh, well, we'll, we'll let Sean we'll, speak for we'll a couple we'll of minutes. We'll for his tenor. Hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, this is... Podcasting in the raw, right, Sean? Yes. Yeah. How, how, where, where do you like if if this Dundee? I mean, it won't because it would have already strengthened it. But the Dundee team, as it was, would it would it be strong enough to stay in the in the top flight? Um, it, 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 it's a tough one. I would, I, my, my, I would say probably not. Um, or, or if so, then. I don't think they'd be in trouble in the top six as they were. Um, I do think that it's fair enough to point out that, and as Charlie Adam actually has pointed out, that, that when they played against um, Premiership opposition last season in the Cups, they generally did all right by them. Yeah, they, 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 weren't, they weren't overpowered at any point by, by any of them. Um, now, 
they, they, they beat Kilmarnock over two legs, of course, but that, that was a Kilmarnock side that by by that time just seemed to have absolutely chucked it. It was, yeah, it, was it was quite shocking bonkers, to watch, wasn't it? Yeah. The way that that um, turned out uh, over the playoffs, and uh, particularly with Tommy Knight in charge, because when you think of what a Tommy Knight team is, you, you certainly don't think of that kind of absolutely half arseness quite frankly <laughs> <laughs> I think at best um, Jim so, just Jim's just come back just as you're calling him half arse there so nah. <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, no, carry on was he was he, was he was he was he was he chasing up <laughs> overdue payments Jim no, actually he, he, he was round he was round the other minimum be going up in the, the news agent's window Sean you know he was um, <laughs> actually we left a tenner under a box outside for me he was there the other day and we were out you know so it kind of reminded me of once doing we used to do that programme on sports round uh, through the window and, and the doorbell went, went one night and we checked Young's house and it was, it was his Chinese curry being delivered you know mid-programme <laughs> so that, that was my window cleaner not quite the same excitement um, uh, no I mean you know <clears throat> in terms of Dundee if, if, if you think of the side that, that they went with um, in their final out in the season you know uh, legs ins and goal I think he's just signed a new deal wasn't yeah, he? I, I like him I think he looks very decent and I, I wouldn't have any worries with him at all a division up he's looked actually really impressive to me um, you know, if, if you were looking at four at the back system with Fontaine and Ashcroft in the middle, they'd handle a lot of what the Premiership uh, throws at them. I not, think not convinced season. that com- uh, not convinced that combination will still be starting. No, but yeah, uh, the both, uh, both no, that, that's right. Up. I mean, it's, it's whether it's you know whether it, whether that's the one he goes with or not, being an entirely different thing. They would handle a fair bit, I think. But remember, this will be a really tough. Uh, premiership decision. Not not only you know are Dundee coming up to a Premiership that's got <coughs> hearts up. United are there, Hibs are up, Aberdeen, you know, all, all sides are, I mean, Hibs, Hibs finishing third, looking to kind of, you know, man, maintain that at least, you know, Aberdeen looking to to push back to win that, that probably that third spot, um, Hearts looking to, to you know, to, to push on to match, the, uh, you know, the, the Edinburgh neighbours, um, <clears throat> so it's going to be a really, really, t- and, then, and then you've got, you know, like some Motherwell and all the rest of it regrouping, you know, uh, Ross County will be trying to strengthen. It's going to be a really, really tough uh, premiership. But in terms of, you know, McMullen's proven he can do it that, at that level. Um, uh, McGowan too. Uh, Mullen I like as a player, whether he's, you know, whether he's the quality to perform week in, week out there. Charlie, we've talked about Burn. You know, I mean, Cammy Kerr just signed a new deal, which I'm, I'm keen on, but I, I think they need you know, four, arguably maybe five um, players of some quality. Starting with McGowan, uh, they, they need players of some quality, I think, to to strengthen them, uh, to make sure it's not going to um, be a, a, you know, a straight up and down season because that's the last thing that they need. We know that, um, I mean, there was a couple of things I was glad about. I was glad I've consistently banged on about it in my column in the Courier that I'm glad they stuck with James McPake. There were times during the season, Dundee pals of mine, I mean, one of my near neighbours, oh, get him out, get him out, he's got to go. I mean, I'm a big believer in giving people a chance to do the job and I think... Um, John Elms and Tim Keyes deserve a bit of praise for that. They've stuck with their man. He's got them up. Um, but they will have to strengthen. And, and it's all very well coming up with, you know, uh, big glorious plans. The key thing, it's kind of like the, the United thing. I'm sure we'll touch on that in a moment or two. But the key thing always at a football club is performing on the pitch week in, week out. And if you come up and you're getting beaten week in, week out, and this is a tougher division, no mistake about it. Um, if you're getting beaten week in, week out, it's no long before the fans turn and they start to lose interest. So I think four... Probably five, in fact, you know, probably closer to five. I think new faces will be needed um, to, to 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 make sure that Dundee survive in that division. Yeah, Cammy Kerr, John, he's he's signed his new deal. 
There was a t- I mean, I, I listen. I, I think yeah, he's bound to. He's he's been in, been through enough tough times with Dundee that he deserves to have another crack at the, the top flight and see where this one goes. I do. I am. I've always been torn with this because I, I do think if you, it's very hard to you say take the emotion out of it and all the rest of it. It's very hard for it with somebody like Cammy Kerr. But in terms of his career, I hope he doesn't get bogged down. And if 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 he becomes a squad player, shall we say next year? I think he should. I think that's the time when he should think like there is life beyond Dens Park, you know, because it's different if you're a regular and you're getting a lot of game time, you know. But I do have a wee concern that we're good, we get back to the situation because remember, okay, he came back in the team after injuries, but he was out the, the Dundee Championship team there for a for a fair while. I would have a wee bit of concern that he becomes a, a squad player with Dundee and he's he's better than that and he should be looking for better for than that out of his career as well, Sean. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. He, he, I mean, I, he, before not this current deal that he signed, but the, the, the previous one. Um, I think I think he could have gone at that time, um, and he, he opted to stay um, with Dundee. The Jim Martin uh, time. Jim, yeah. Yes, yeah. I think after after that season, he he, he could have gone. Um, I think he, he would he would have had options at that time as well. Um, he would have been sort of twenty three ish round about then. Um, but James McPake made keeping him a priority um, when he when he got the job he was very very vocal in public about the fact that he wanted Cammy Kerr to stay and he was the he was his priority um, and when when you're when you when you hear that from a manager and you're a 23 year old player who is playing for the club that he supported his entire life that must be quite nice <laughs> so uh, it's not no shock that he, that he opted to stay um, there have been a few ups and downs for Cammy um, in, in the subsequent couple of years, but I mean, m- arguably more than any other, he, he kind of finished this season on the up, um, and and he was great in the playoff in, in both legs. Um, so uh, again, I can understand why why Dundee want to keep him. Um, oh, 100%. I can under- he now recovers two positions, you know. Sure, exactly, and I can understand why Cami wants to stay because. I don't think his his feelings about the club are in any doubt. He's he's genuinely as 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 big a Dundee fan as you'll find um, anywhere. So it's an understandable dream to harbour that that you will, you know, play for the club that you love and and be a mad success at it. And and indeed, he's got a testimonial year coming up now, um, which is to give it all up. You know, exactly, exactly. So again, I understand why he's there. At the end of this two year deal. He'll be, you know, twenty twenty seven, and if at that point he wants to go, he still can. Um, he's still got a good few years left in him after that. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess looking at it like that, the, the choice—if the choice is for Cami, stay with the club that I love, get a testimonial at the end of it, play in the Premiership with them again, play alongside guys like Charlie Adam, another mad Dundee fan who's in the same side. Um, at the best grounds in the country, against the best teams in the country, I, I can understand why he's why he's gone for that. I can I can I totally get it, and uh, I, I I genuinely hope that that he's a, a fantastic success and over the over this two years because uh, beyond anything else, he's just a really nice lad. Oh yeah, as do we all, as do we all. All right, Jim, uh, Dice, oh. quiet week. Is that does that tell you anything? Does that does, is that telling you that? It's gonna be it's gonna be Tam Courts and 
there's uh, they're just biding their time type thing, or does does that tell you that they we're just in the in the they've got plenty of time before preseason starts? And I can't remember. I, I, it was there was a bit more urgency needed about the last time, wasn't there? With uh, when Mickey Mellon came, when when Robbie went. So are you are you reading in reading in, in anything into all this? Um, <clears throat> not really. Uh, I I think that um, you know what I mean. A, a long chat with Tony Asgard. I think just a week and a bit ago. Um, and at that time, the only thing you would you would say we had a long chat generally. I mean, I know he kind of I know he listens to this podcast. I know he reads the column and he likes to be challenged and. And, and probably challenge uh, us. I, I'm always, you know, I'm kind of always surprised. I know that one or two folk got in touch with me last week saying, you know, what's going on at Tarnadish? And there was a, a, an ask out out, uh, a, a hashtag uh, trending. I, I'm never entirely, well, you know, actually, I, I was about to say I'm, I'm never entirely sure. I'm, I'm entirely sure. There's a small group of United supporters, along with supporters at every club, who are never happy whoever's running a club, who are never happy whoever is in charge. And I say the same thing to them and other supporters as I did when Stephen Thompson was there or anybody else was there. Dundee United maybe your spiritual home, maybe your emotional, your club emotionally. You don't own it. You know, the club is a the club is owned by Mark Auger and he puts people in charge to do the job that he thinks <clears throat> are the best people for the job, you know. And you know, the, the day and hour we start, you know, uh, having clubs run by people by postal ballot or, or you know, electronic voting, then th- that may be different. But for the moment, you know, they tried I it think, somewhere down south, didn't oh, they? Yeah, there was, yeah, there was yeah, some I mean, uh, gimmicky club where that was, yeah, basically fans were choosing the team and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, I but. mean, <laughs> there is no, you know, there is. I mean, there are many new things in the game. I can say this last week in my column. There are many new things in the game in terms of, you know, the, the way the game is developing, artificial intelligence, analytics, and. Uh, a million one other things, but ultimately the game is, uh, you know, still comes down to kind of, you know, kind of player do a job, kind of can you assemble a squad to do the job on the park and all the rest of it. Now the key thing this season is United have stayed in the Premiership. That's a great thing. That's where they wanted to be. What they need to do now is is get the job. Now we know that Tom Courts is being mentioned. Some people throw their hands up in horror and think, oh, I mean, somebody said to me there'll be a revolution. Well, they've sold four thousand season books already. So, you know, I think the best United ever did was about 5-2, 5-3. So that hardly looks like the, the basis of a revolution to me. I know Stuart Peaty was, was mentioned, done a great job doing it, doing it uh, at Montrose. And I know Stevie Campbell, my near neighbour, was saying that, you know, he actually thought it would be a revolutionary. Uh, um, and quite a good thing if um, if they went for Tom Courts. The bottom line is any football t- club appointing a manager takes a gamble and it wouldn't matter whether it's Tom Courts we kind of you know want to pursue that youth strategy whether they went for a Derek Adams who suddenly became available yeah, just, today just Not before I got Sean you, you kind of raised it Jim before I got Sean what, and apologies if you covered this last week while I was while I was away but what did you what did you feel about the the letter and basically the fans kind of saying like they weren't you know I'm paraphrasing you know, it was the federation, wasn't it? It was the f- and basically the concern with the way the the recruitment was going. I mean, Jim, is that something that a sporting director or a chairman should be paying attention to? I mean, they're obviously genuinely held opinions, or do they have to be divorced from that because because they they're making dare I say it more sort of informed decisions, or they're making dispa- more dispassionate decisions? About the running of the club. I mean, how how did that that sit with you? Uh, how do you mean, Eric? I mean, the complaints. As in, as in, in should, the... should 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 uh, Tony Ashgar and Mark Long be saying, "Oh, hold on a minute. If if the fans don't want us to appoint Tam Courts, for example, or they don't, you know, they they have 
they're they're wary about this road we're going down. Should should they be taking that on board, or should they be just be tunnel vision and no, this this is what we're doing type thing. Uh, no, I mean the, the the whole notion. I mean, it, it depends what you mean by taking it on board. I mean, you can you know the, 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 at the end of the day, a football club has to be run by someone. If you want, if the fans want the club, and and, and I even I even hesitate to use that term, fans, that generic term, because there is no such thing as the fans. You know, if you went to Tannadice or Dens Park or McDermott Park on any given Saturday, and you, and you took five hundred opinions of what the team lineup should be that day, you'd probably have about you know four hundred, five hundred different opinions. So. You know, the fans, and it depends what, what set of groups you're taking. I remember, I mean, I had, a, I had a little bit of dealing with that when I did a wee bit of consultancy work for Stephen Thompson. You have some of these fans groups that are self-elected. They're not elected in any kind of normal democratic process, it would say. So you have to say, who do they represent? Do they represent themselves? Do they represent a small committee, a small coterie? Do they represent, you know, the bulk of people in the stand, in the George Fox or the, the Eddie Thompson stand or the, George, the Jerry Kerr? Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and in which case, you know, how much say should they have? If they, you know, want to put a point of view to Mark Ogren or to Tony Asgard, um, that view may well be taken on board, I think, as the phrase goes. But do they have to act on it? You know, what if another fans group, because United had about four or five fans groups at one time, what if each fans group has a different point of view? Which one will they take on board? And what knowledge do the fans have of what's going on? You know, this is this is not by any manner a means... Um, you know, a, 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 a plea to suggest that, that Tony Asgard's got everything right or Mark Ogren's got everything right. No, no football club ever gets everything right. But the bottom line is, you have to have people in charge. What you've got here is you've got Mark Ogren, who basically has bankrolled the club, and we know the money the fella has put in already, and it's substantial. Um, he's, he's got a sporting director. Um, uh, Tony Asgar uh, there. Now, some people don't like certain things that are going on. They think you shouldn't have a member of a family appointed. You hear all sorts of tales and uh, and suggestions and rumours. But the bottom line is, Mark Ogren is the man who effectively owns Dundee United Football Club. If he's happy with what's going on uh, with the people he's appointed, then I'm not entirely sure what else you do. What do they want? Do, do, do they want to appoint a sporting director? Do they want rid of a sporting director? Do they want to put their own man in? Do they want to have a, a fan vote on who the manager would be? Um, these are, I mean, you know, when Dundee United, if you can go back far enough, when Dundee United uh, appointed Jim McLean, I know, I know the same thing, McLean had played at, you know, at Dundee and all the rest of it, but there were a lot of people at that time wondered what was going on. Jerry Kerr had been a, uh, in charge for a long, long time. All of a, all of a sudden you've got a guy coming in with only some coaching experience and you take a risk all the time in football, but the bottom line is quite simple. No, you, you can't have fans dictating um, appointments and, and signings. You, you simply can't do it. If it's a fan-owned club, you can't do it because at a fan-owned club, even at a motherwell or something like that, you still appoint professional people to do the job. Um, if, if people have bigger and, and different complaints, because I've heard, you know, Eric, we hear all the rumours, all the things that you cannot say um, for fear of defamation on a podcast, but I hear all the rumours. <clears throat> you know, I, I'm a former law lecturer. I like hard evidence. You know, no rumour, tittle-tattle, scuttlebuck. I can't be doing with these boys. I've met them before. You wouldn't put them in charge of a sweetie shop, you know. So realistically, the simple truth of the matter is that, you know, the people in charge um, are the people in charge, and they're there in charge because the owner, has put them in charge. And if you want rid of some of them, um, you might have to get rid of the owner. Then where would the club be? Because they've been down that road with Stephen Thompson. When Stephen Thompson, you know, sold uh, basically sold his shares out to Mike Martin, um, who had been his kind of ineffective, you know, as, as vice chairman, uh, and Mike very quickly realised that, uh, him and Jimmy Fife, they quickly realised that running a club like Dundee, and it was beyond their pockets, 
Um, and that, that's a simple truth of, of the matter. So, you know, I, I, I think fans should always be very, very careful with what they wish for because it's very easy to sit in the pub or at your work or around the dinner table and, and, and you know, and blow a gasket about what's going on. The biggest challenge is when you say, okay, what would you do? And let's let's work out how you would do it and why you would do it and how you would finance it. These, these are the big challenges, not the hot air merchants, because the hot air merchants are 10 a penny. I've dealt with them. They're not worth listening to. Jim covered a few bases there, Sean, but it's ultimately, if you're talking about Tam Courts, none of us none of us know just how good a coach he is, do they? And none of us know. And he, Jim's right. Every, every managerial point, appointment is a gamble. For some reason, you know, there would have been, albeit there wouldn't, probably not, probably a very small majority, but there would have been a lot, not a lot, sorry, contradict myself there. There would have been some St. Johnson fans, no doubt, who didn't want Callum Davidson because they, for for whatever reason, you know, it just that's just that's that's just football, isn't it? It's all about the opinions. So, yeah, it's. We'll just have to wait. And see. I mean, I, I, I take it we all would. Do we still feel like this is the direction of travel, or do you do you think you you know? I guess we're we're, we're totally guessing here, aren't we? They haven't gone through an interview process yet. But is it is it, do, do we still is that our gut instinct that it's it's you know it's it's heading that direction? Yeah, I still I I think so. I've I've said no, I don't, I don't and. I mean, it's possible that the the initial kind of fan reaction to to Tam Courts's name hitting the headlines, if you like, or uh, making his way up the the bookies odds list. In addition, um, I mean, there, there, there was a bit of blowback on that, and I mean, it's it's possible that, that that might have given some sort of pause to to those who are making the decisions. But I, I don't think that it's it's going to be serious enough to, to derail that if that indeed is what they want to do. Um, because, as I've said before, I think it, it's quite clear that longer term, the strategic direction of travel for Dundee United, under the structure that's been put in place since March... Yeah, they're not going to get, they're not gonna get rid of Mickey Mellon, Sean, and then replace him with another Mickey Mellon type, are they? Otherwise, it would be madness, because Mickey Mellon was doing a fine job of doing what Mickey Mellon does. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I I think this is it's it's less about it's less about what what happens in the short term to the first team in the Premiership and more about what happens in the long term to the club. Now, if they're at a point now where they think that the work that's gone on over the last few years behind the scenes to build that academy structure up, and there's been a lot of investment in that, and I've said highlighted previously that, that some of, a lot of that's come from the owner some of it's come yeah, from and going against the community group some of it's come from the fans themselves through the foundation so there's a lot a lot at stake in that project at the moment and if they're now at a point where they think the work that's gone on behind the scenes is to a level where there are kids that they've produced who are knocking on that first team door and that that process can begin of building, not not building a team around them because there will still be, I would imagine, experienced players within there, but feeding them into that team, um, then that's what will happen because that is that is the that is the project. That's what all the money's been spent doing. 
over the last few yeah. years. Uh, uh, Sean, it's, it's as simple as that. Sean, that, that's right. You know, look, there, there are many, I mean, I suspect there are many people out there that could, could do the job. I, I had a great blether journey with John Holt, and John said to me, Jim, I would go for Jim McAnally. Jim, you know, former United legend, hero, mm-hmm. done a great job at, at Peterhead. I, I'm, I'm convinced Jimmy could do a decent job at Tannadice Park. He gets on well with young kids. He gets on well with adults. He treats people as adults. He's a great motivator. He knows the game inside out. I, I had a blur with John Hughes the other week. Um, Yogi could do it. Yogi's, Yogi is presented by some as some kind of, uh, you know, um, big daft son of Leith. He's, you know, his old man was a docker. I mean, Yogi's actually switched on and and is miles ahead of many in, in his application of sports science and all the rest and has been for years. You know, and this, this is the thing. Fans fans who don't know people get a view of people and, and, they, and you know, and on the basis of what they've heard, what they've read, they make their minds up uh, on the, on these things. And it'll be similar with Tom Court, whether whether Tom Court gets the job um, or, or not. You know, ultimately, Somebody has to make the decisions. You can't have the decisions made by poll. You know, you can't have, uh, you know, the, the the appointment of a new manager or whatever made by poll. So you've got a, you know, when when United were were taken over, obviously the first the first couple of seasons, if you want, you know, the first season you're trying to get the championship, the second season you're battered by COVID. You know, these things. Um, it's very difficult to to put your plan into action while you're doing all that. But they have a plan, and that plan is about youth. Now, it may well be that Tom Coates comes in. If he, if he does come in, I have a sense that it'll almost be a collective management structure at Tannadice because they're going to be it's going to be coaches as opposed to a kind of manager. The old traditional role, I suspect, we have Mickey Mellon and Tony yeah. and Tony Asgard and Mellon. I think Andy Goldie will have much more of us yeah. say behind the scenes <laughs> that, than, that's right. than now, any of his are, any of his equivalent. There are other things you know. that come into the mix, Eric. I think one of the things, you know, people often differentiate between coaching and managing, you know. Um, <clears throat> managing managing and coaching by any other uh, terms are, are teaching. You know, I mean, I taught for years. You know, good to, I don't know, suggesting for a minute I was a great lecturer, a great teacher, but, you know, you you, you kind of, you, you find you find the kind of sweet spot, if you want, and how you make your point, how you deliver your point, how you get the best out of people, which people need a wee bit more work on them, which people kind of, can survive just on the basis of a certain amount of information. Football's the same. Then then into the mix come the other things, come in the personal issues that players have to deal with, how you deal with dropping players, bringing players in, bringing players in, dropping them, resting them. You know, there are a million and one things that, that, that go on with that. But I don't think for a minute that you should assume because a guy has come through as an academy coach that he will not have the ability, particularly if you're going to go with a main, mainly a squad of kind of younger type players. There will obviously have to be a, 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 a coterie of seasoned pros in there. I don't think you can throw, you know, um, 17, 18 of a squad of, of 18, 19 year olds into premiership and expect to stay up. But the intention obviously is to, you know, is to develop the whole the whole kind of structure and philosophy and playing style of the club and all the rest of it. You know, all the all of the modern buzzwords, if you want. I don't mean that in a bad way. Uh, and therefore, I think you you absolutely need somebody that's going to buy into it. If that's the way the club wants to go forward, it might be a raging success. It might be a raging failure. It might fall somewhere in between, which is probably the more the more likely uh, of the two. But that's the way the club wants to develop and sell on and all the rest. In many respects, nothing new. Football's always done that. Um, the McLean model was like that. I know things have changed you know, since Bosman and since really big TV money changed things dramatically and all the rest of it. But um, to me, it, it looks like the best way forward. I think the days when Dundee United could you know, there was a spell when Eddie Thompson was in charge. You know, they were paying guys four and five grand a week. Dundee United can't afford to do that in the modern age. You know, um, they can't afford to have a 
a big squad on massive money. So I think there's got to be a fine mix um, in, in there. If fans are not happy, uh, fans will do what fans are absolutely entitled to do. And I say this to Celtic mates of mine who are complaining at the moment about what's going on there and, and to, to other clubs. You know, happy, don't go. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Or, or, or you mount a takeover campaign. You, 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 you know, you have a fan-owned club if, if you're not happy. Um, or you register your disapproval when you're at the game. But, you know, to, to, to try and kind of second guess and complain when the people you've put in charge um, are, are making decisions, you, you, you've, you, you've got to come up with solutions. It's not enough just to carp from the sidelines. You have to say, well, here's what I think you should do and here's why you should do it. And the problem is very often you don't have sufficient insider knowledge to do that. It's like going to see a lawyer and then disagreeing with the advice he gives you. QED. Indeed. Well, we'll move things on to to Saint Sean. They put out their uh, their statement of the ones they're the ones they're speaking to and the ones they're not. Although the, you could, there's a there's a couple, and I think we can assume that uh, Callum will be trying to to bring Middleton back. But that's a complicated one because if you know Rangers will maybe want to a have a look at him, b keep him around for their sort of their their squad at the start of the their European campaign. So I would fully expect Saints to try and bring. Glenn Middleton back for the full season. I thought the intriguing bit for me was the fact that, you know, they basically said, Melamed, we're not negotiating with you, but Scott Tanzer, they were. I thought that was an interesting wee, wee nugget. Craig Conway, we knew that he was going to be going off, whether he whether he decides to play elsewhere or call it a day on on such a high remains to be seen. Um was the was the Melamed one the one that kind of jumped out on you, Sean? I think it's a wee bit of a shame actually, because I, I I think I, I think he's maybe I'm not saying he he him and he's he's calm. I think they maybe overplayed their hand a wee bit. I I I, I don't see him going down south. I, I think I've said that in previous podcasts. I, I don't think his game suits it. And my worry for him would be he ends up at a a club in the in our Premiership that isn't as good as Saints and won't bring out the best in the Saints. And he might have a few more quid, but it won't be dramatically bigger. And you'll think. Hmm, kind of didn't really manage that very well, did I? Um, It's an interesting one with Melamed because I think we've we've, we've talked him up massively before (laughs) and and with with some justification at certain points because his technique at times is Yeah, he peaked peaked a few weeks before the end. He didn't have a great end of the season, you know. No, he didn't. He did kind of go off the boil on it. If he'd held his form, he would have started that final. Yeah. Um, And... (sighs) I think Jim's maybe touched on this in, in previous weeks as well, but I've, I've, watching him play and even after he scored and stuff like that, it's maybe just his personality type, but he's never struck me as sort of like somebody who's in the thick of it with that group, really. He's always looked a bit sort of... Detached. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got that sort of vibe from him. Um like he's, he's never looked absolutely delighted when he celebrated a goal or anything like that. Maybe Maybe that's just him. Um, and he's he's a quieter type, but um, it always gave me a strange vibe, to be honest with you. But who knows? It's maybe it's maybe a bargaining position um, on St Johnston's part because oh, yeah. there's a, there's uh, a long summer. Yeah. Exactly, a long long way to go, and um, they'll know what uh, Melamed's agent has asked for, and they'll know that that's not a number that they're prepared to go to, um, and and they've just shut it down and said no that's yeah. it so now it's the balls in your court go and find yourself something else if you think you're worth that then go Good and get that you. somewhere else then yeah and if you don't get that you know you know, 
come back to us. <laughs> we, may, we, we may or may <laughs> not be in a position to talk. Exactly, yeah. 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 So I, it, it's probably that more than anything else with Melamed. But he is one that I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be averse to the idea of him being back at St. Johnson next season. But um, if he does come back, then uh, I hope he looks a bit bloody happier about it. With <laughs> <laughs> Jim Saints are in there. All of a sudden, they, I think they're kind of, if there's going to be significant movement with Saints, they've got, I mean, most of the, most of their their teams under contract now and if O'Halloran signs as we we expect and hope he will then Melamed goes you're kind of looking at Callum Henry does he stay does he go but you know there's there's not that much wriggle room I think with Saints it's a case of they'll be waiting you know when things would potentially be a domino effect would be if if one of their big ones gets taken away you know if if they if they lose Ali McCann then all of a sudden you know they're they're going to have to get a. They're going to replace him like for like, but you know what I mean. It's at the moment it's there's no urgency to what Saints need to do. And if 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 they're talking about bringing a another up front, potentially to replace Melamed, or potentially to replace Callum Henry as well, it's you know these are the ones you can afford to to hold fire on, aren't you, Jim? I mean they Callum can play the waiting game, can't they? Quite quite contentedly. Yeah, I mean, th- this is an interesting period, I think. And, 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 and I mean, f- football's a 52 week a year industry, Eric. You know, managers are, are speaking to, you know, agents all the time, their chairman all the time. I mean, I, I was talking to an agent yesterday who of my, of my long acquaintance who got in touch with me. He was looking for a couple of managers' numbers, you know, and um, <clears throat> we're tuned to Fat General, and he was talking about one particular player that he had. This is in Scotland, you know, and saying that, you know, he's been offered a new deal, not as long as he wants, um, but there's nothing extra in it, you know, no even an extra 50 quid a week in it, you know. And, you know, the, and now there's a thing, there's a thing we throw in glibly, and not even an extra 50 quid. And many of us can go in and, and expect another 50 quid, uh, you know, a week rise after a two-year contract, very few. But there's nothing, you know, there's nothing in it. So, you know, they'll examine other areas. But what that was the thing he was suggesting, that some clubs, given the COVID period we've been through, given the lack of money in the game, are basically offering the same terms, you know, similar, very similar terms to what they've had. Um, now, you know, extra quality players will always get that wee bit extra. Um, <clears throat> but I wasn't surprised to see the Melamed thing, um, you know, just just disappearing off the table because that that's the way, you know, Stevie Brown is and that's the way Jeff Brown is. Now, I know there are people in charge of doing things for them, <clears throat> but ultimately... You know, these things are always kind of part and part, whether you've got a technical director and whether you've got a, somebody, a sporting director. I think these things always kick up the tree and, and, and usually the chairman has the final say. And he just say, no, we, we're not going near that. You know, I mean, if you've got an agent who's asking for, let's say, you know, if a guy's on a grand a week and you've got an agent who's suddenly asking for 1,500 quid a week, well, you, you take note that I'm suggesting that's what's happening here, but then you've got a choice. You're thinking, okay, is he worth that? Will he score 12 goals next season? Will he assist with, with 10? Will he, you know, can we flog him on a year into a new contract, you know, for half a million or whatever? You have a million and one things to think about. If you think you're going to get exactly the same from a pretty average squad player, you're not going to go um, and, and throw an extra lot of money at. But, play, you know, managers are, are debating all the time. Callum will, have, will probably have targets identified. Some he'll get, some he won't get. Um, uh, one or two things might go. I mean, I think O'Halloran's still negotiating, isn't he, if I'm not yeah, mistaken? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it, might, it might come off, it might not come off. It might almost come off, and then somebody comes in from you know, somewhere else with a with an extra 300 quid a week or something. I mean, that, that's the way the game works. Then, you know, it all depends on the age you've got, how receptive the player is to listening to advice. The problem the problem with players is, remember, the agents only make money when players move, you know? 
Sometimes they make it when they sign a new contract. It depends on the, the club you're dealing with. And, and, and that's that's an added factor in the game that quite often players who are actually relatively settled at a place can suddenly find themselves slightly unsettled by by agents suggesting X, Y, Z. It's a dangerous, it's a dangerous road. We've seen players holding out, holding out, holding out, and then all of a sudden... You know, you're at a club where you're on less money. You're at a club where there's less ambition. You're at a club where you're not going to do nearly as well as you did the previous season. I have thought at the moment St. Johnson is a very attractive place to be. You know, I'm not saying it's an attractive place to be if Man United are interested in you, you know, or, or, or Liverpool. But, you know, St. Johnson is an attractive place to be. We all do regard if Dundee United are interested in you, if, if Motherwell are interested in you, because you're at a winning club, you're on decent money. Stable, you know, you know, stable you're not, club, yeah. Ah, you're not going to retire at 30 and, and, and pay the mortgage off, but you've you've done not bad, and you're at a good club where you're well looked after, good training facilities and all the rest of it. So sometimes, again, as I said earlier on, the Dundee United thing, if you're a player, you need to be careful what you wish for. Yeah, just to finish things up, Sean, there's the two... Two teams of ours that were involved in the, the pyramid playoff. Big things happening at both of them. Um, Kelty seem to be really. I mean, they're, they're not intending to hang around in League Two very for for long, are they? You know, an oppressive. You think you know a, a young manager with a impressive coaching background appointed, and he's they're they're bringing in players who've played at higher level than League Two and not at the the veteran stage either they they look like a team that are going to be upwardly mobile for a for a couple of seasons yet Sean mm-hmm. yeah yeah very much in the vein of, of, of what, what's been attempted at like say, Edinburgh City and Cove Rangers coming into the league and uh, Queen's Park the way they're reinventing themselves Aye, yeah, yeah them too yeah clubs with a bit of ambition who, who are who are coming into the league structure and have as you say no intention of hanging about in league two um, they're, they're looking to motor up the way um, so I, I mean, how far Kelly can go will, will, will probably depend on how much money they throw at it. To be honest with you, because um, with the with the best will in the world, they're not they're not a, a massively supported club. So oh, and not, you can't. I mean, the ground itself, you know, you're not seeing that yeah. in the in the Premiership, you know. So, um, but I mean, they're they're doing something that that I think the the, the pyramid, the introduction of the pyramid structure was was probably designed to accommodate. You know that there were these these clubs in the in the lower reaches or outside of the league structure that that had um, ambitions towards uh, being more than they were. Um, and obviously, the door was closed for them for for a very long time. I think the only only way you could get in was if somebody imploded or went bust or what have you, and there was a vacancy and there would be an application process and all that stuff. So the door is now open for 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 these teams and very much at the expense of teams who perhaps don't have that the level of finance that these teams coming up have got or I mean it, it sounds like a like a grave criticism but maybe not the ambition that they've got either um now in, in Brechin's case uh, they, they've obviously been at a much higher level than, than League Two and, and very recent memory being in the championship for a season and what have you so um, I, I don't think over the longer term you could accuse Brechin of having a lack of um, ambition, but certainly the way things have gone over the last few seasons, it's 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 appeared disastrous. Um, and obviously they've they've now had a a change in ownership model, which was approved at the EGM the other night, and um, a new owner um, and Ken Mackey coming in, who 
would appear to have um, ambitions on, on on turning that into a, a much differently run club with with much greater ambition than it has had over the last few years, certainly. So fair play to them, and I think if they if they are to get out of the Highland League, they're certainly going to need that because there there are clubs in that league who, at Brora Rangers in particular, who, who have got that money and are are throwing it at getting into the league. So they won't go into the Highland League and not have any competition to get back up. Um, so that they're, they're going to have to. Um, have a look at how they're running. They have done that, so fair play to them. Uh, hopefully, they do come back up because obviously they're a team from our area, and, and we'd love to see them back. Um, Kelly, pff, I mean, you could call them League Two favourites already, couldn't you? I think uh, one I of think, our colleagues think, has just written that. I think everybody will. I think Jim just, uh, like I said, to finish up, Brecon. It's a shame that this is. It's a shame that this has happened. It feels like the right thing that they're doing, and it feels fresh. It feels like it all, you know. It will reinvigorate them, and they they sound like a club who has a chance of bucking the trend of, you know, teams dropping out and then just kind of being forgotten about, like East mm-hmm. Stirlingshire and and, <clears throat> and Berwick Rangers Berwick, to an extent. Yeah. With a great respect to those two clubs who have who have not been following intently, but so it feels like this is this will re-energize Brecon. But why on earth could they not have done it a year or two ago? Because everybody could everybody could have seen everybody could have seen this coming. And the, the the guy Kevin Mackey's been involved there for a while now, isn't he? Yeah, I mean it's one thing being involved. I think it's another thing having your, you know, when you're a voice in the wilderness to some extent. And I think you've now got people on, you know, <clears throat> on their interim committee. I mean they have become incorporated, which is a wise thing to do in the modern the modern age. The old way around your club was great at one time, uh, no longer you know viable. I think in a modern age, so you know, uh, uh, incorporation. But it's the way to go. Um, I know that, that they've got an AGM in July, and then they'll, they'll, their actual office bearers will be identified at, at that stage. But I mean, I think you know. I, I mean, I, I speak to Grant Johnson regularly. Grant's a senior solicitor in Dundee, as you know, and of course, a you know a, a former Dundee United favourite, smart, intelligent lad, Kevin Mackey. Um, I think you know, along with the others that are on that, that that current kind of interim committee, I think you know they know they understand that they need to kind of reinvigorate the club to 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 really make the club a proper community club, have kind of structures underneath it, and all the rest of it, uh, get involved with other clubs as feeder clubs feeding in and, and hopefully bounce back very, very quickly. I mean, I don't think Brecon will disappear like an East Stirlingshire or a Berwick Rangers into the morass below. I mean, they've got a kind of long, long, very proud history. Um, it will be difficult, there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, um, it, the Highland League will not be an easy league. It's, uh, many will argue it will be an easier league to get out of than the uh, than the Lowland League would have been had they gone into that. But uh, undoubtedly, it'll still be tough enough. Um, but I think they're on the right track. I mean, I think they, they need kind of rebuilt. There, there were people with the best will in the world, and, and it's an easy jibe to make, and it's not meant as a jibe. Had they gone to sleep at wheel, people get comfortable. People get, you know, sometimes don't like to kind of face the realities of what is coming down the track. Um, well, it's come down the track. It's knocked out, the, out of the traditional set up uh, and they've got the scrap to get back and I, I suspect there'll be p- good people on the the new um, the new committee come their AGM in July when they do get these new uh, office holders put into position and I think they've identified all of the things that need to be done in terms of restructuring the club as a real community, bringing the community together and pushing their way back to the Highland League and hopefully that will happen in a one season, um, whether it does or not remains to be seen but I, I think they're on the right tracks now. Good stuff Okay, guys, well, thanks again, and thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye just now. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find talking football, and that means a lot to us. 
Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.